Then of a mother, I suppose, in chief. They're all gone now. And my persecutors are gone in the main, I believe. And the reason for all this is that I'm an old, old woman now. And maybe as much as a hundred, though I do not know. And no one knows. I am only a thing left over, a remnant woman. And I do not even look like a human being no more, but a scraggy stretch of skin and bone in a bleak skirt and blouse and a canvas jacket and I sit here in my niche like a songless robin. No, like a mouse that died under the hearthstone where it was warm and lies now like a mummy in the pyramids. No one even knows I have a story. Next year, next week, tomorrow, I will no doubt be gone, and it will be a small-sized coffin they will need for me and a narrow hole. There will never be a stone at my head, and no matter. But small and narrow are all human things, maybe. It is silence all about. My hand is good, and I have a beautiful biro full of blue ink, given me by my friend the doctor because I said I liked its colour, who is not a bad man, in truth, maybe even a philosopher. And I have a bundle of paper that I found in a store cupboard among other unwanted things, and I have a floorboard loosened where I hide these treasures. I write out my life on unwanted paper, surplus to requirements. I start with a clean sheet, with many clean sheets. For dearly I would love now to leave an account, some kind of brittle and honest-minded history of myself, and if God gives me the strength I will tell this story and imprison it under the floorboard, and then with joy enough I will go to my own rest under the Roscommon sod. My father was the cleanest man in all the Christian world, all Sligo anyhow. He seemed to me all strapped about in his uniform, not in any manner haphazard, but regular as an account book. He was the superintendent of the graveyard, and for this work he had been given quite a resplendent uniform, or so it seemed to me as a child. He had a barrel in the yard that gathered the rain, and with that he rinsed himself every day of the year. I would turn the faces of my mother and myself to the watered kitchen, and stood without fear of being seen among the mosses and the lichens of the yard, stripped entirely, and laved himself mercilessly in all kinds of weather, in the deeps of winter groaning like a bull. Carbolic soap that would have cleaned a greasy floor, he agitated into a suit of suds that fitted him well, and he scraped at himself with a piece of grey stone that he stuck into the wall in a particular niche when he was done, from where it poked out like a nose. All this I saw by glimpses and quick turns of the head, because I was a dishonest daughter in that way, and couldn't obey. No circus act could have pleased me in the same way. My father was a singer that could not be silenced. He sang all the songs of the operettas of those days, and he loved to read the sermons of preachers long gone, because he said he could imagine the sermons fresh for some vanished Sunday and the words new in the mouths of the preachers. His own father had been a preacher. My father was a passionate, I might almost say celestial-minded Presbyterian man, which was not a particularly fashionable quality in Sligo. The sermons of John Donne he prized above all, but his veritable gospel was Religio Medici by Sir Thomas Brown, a book I still possess in all the flotsam and ruckus of my life in a little battered volume. I have it here before me on my bed, with his name in black ink inside, 
Joe Clear, and the date 1888 in the town Southampton, for in his extreme youth he had been a sailor, sailing into every port of Christendom before he was seventeen. In Southampton occurred one of the kingly or main events of his life, in that he met my mother Sissy, who was a chambermaid in the sailor's boarding house he favoured. I used to tell a curious story about Southampton, and as a child I received it as the gospel truth. That may have been true for all that. One season, coming into port, he could find no bed in his favourite house, and was obliged to go further along the windy wastes of terraces and signs, and found a lonely house with a vacant sign, stuck out to fashion customers. In he went, and was met by a grey-faced woman in her middle years, who gave him a bed in the basement of her house. In the middle of the night he woke, thinking he'd heard someone breathing in the room, startled, and with that extreme awakeness that it had.